0: This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of The Other 14 Podcast, the only podcast that forgets all about the so-called Big Six and focuses just on the other 14 teams of the Premier League. And wow, what a Premier League weekend. We're down to just three matches left now in this league and it is all to play for. European places and that dreaded relegation zone. And once again, the Premier League delivers. In 1983, New Order released Blue Monday, the theme of which was around the feeling of dread and misery after a mad weekend at the Hacienda nightclub in Manchester. However, no such feeling was felt on this Monday, with three fantastic matches, 21 goals scored. Wow, that is some hangover cure. Unlike always, and like last week, I am not joined by Tom. Unfortunately, his vacation has still been extended even further, but I am sure he will be back next week. Before we get into the real nitty-gritty of this game week... It's over to me with the classifieds for this game week. Here are the classified results for game week 35 of the 2022-23 Premier League season. AFC Bournemouth 1, 3. 2, Leeds United 1, 1. Crystal Palace nil Wolverhampton Wanderers 1, Aston Villa nil. 1 Brentford 0 Newcastle United 0 <coughs> 2 West Ham United 1 0 <coughs> Fulham 5 Leicester City 3 Brighton 1 Everton 5 Nottingham Forest 4 Southampton 3 Well, clearly the first place to start of those fixtures is that manic Monday with the Fulham-Leicester, Brighton-Everton and Forest-Southampton games, where, as I said in the intro, 21 goals. And a lot of goals from teams that haven't been delivering on them yet this season. So, if we go into the games as they happened, the earlier of the 3 kickoffs, there, we had Fulham at home to Leicester. Obviously, Leicester desperate for three points and... As James Madison said in his post-match interview, which caused some sparks, Leicester just weren't hungry enough. And to be honest, it was quite evident. Four 0 down after 51 minutes, thanks to Willian, Carlos Vinicius and Tom Kearney with two goals, it left Leicester with a very uphill battle. Harvey Barnes dragged one back for them, and then Jamie Vardy, the man of Leicester, their highest Premier League goal scorer, the man of the hundred club, missed a penalty in the sixty sixth minute. The misery was then compounded for Leicester as William then went up the other end to make it five one before a late surge from James Madison with a penalty and another Harvey Barnes goal to make it five three um It's really, I suppose, really tough for Leicester fans looking at their fixtures. They would have been eyeing up as Fulham are on the beach. Let's go there and see if we can get all three points. And they had been looking a little better over recent weeks since Dean Smith's come in. But what an absolute awful result for them. Great entertainment value, great for Fulham fans, great for a neutral. But for Leicester, that was just not good enough. Um, Their defence looked at all sixes and sevens. Um, As James Madison said, the the defending starts from the front and they look like there's no order, no shape. It very much looked like the Leicester of a couple of weeks ago, pre-Dean Smith. I suppose they will be eyeing up their fixtures, well, their remaining three fixtures as their fight for survival continues. Um, From a Fulham point of view, what a way to kind of round off the towards the end of the season it's one of your final home games of the season it's the entertainment value that the fans will all be looking for and they played like a team which has absolutely no pressure are they going to get Europe a European position probably not at this point but they're just 11 men that went out there and had a laugh yes they conceded three to Leicester you might be a little disappointed but scoring five goals it's kind of at this point it's what football is for so many teams, it's got to be about the entertainment at this stage of the season when you're not playing for anything else. If Fulham have just played out a boring 1-0, they probably fans would have right to be a little bit upset. But three points is three points to them and that is an incredible result. And then, I suppose what I would say is the biggest shock of the weekend. Brighton having just beaten Manchester United at home 1-0 in what was... Uh, a kind of fixture that was essential for them to keep that european place chase down and um, they've got a couple of games in hand on the teams around them a european place well a europa league place is more than doable for them but then everton come along and it was probably the most uneverton performance we've seen all season abdullah dikore with a brace inside half an hour then unfortunately, Jed still with an own goal, was there much he could do about it? Not really. And then Dwight McNeil in the 76th minute making it 4-0 um, and Brighton just weren't at the races at all. Um, McAllister, the only bright spark I guess from the game is that he scored to make it 4-1, so Everton didn't get the clean sheet. But then... The final goal for Dwight McNeil. He runs down the pitch. Round Steel, kind of humiliates the defenders. And starts celebrating as he runs it into the net. Um, Speaking of vital three points. I suppose most of us would have been saying. That that is uh, probably a game that Everton weren't expected to win in the slightest. Mostly because Brighton's hot form. Where they are in the table. They had been playing some really, really good football. And then. It's a weird fixture. It's Everton dug deep. It it was almost a very unshawn Dice performance. I don't know whether the early goal, just the very early goal inside 35 seconds from DeCorey, whether that kind of shook both teams, obviously for the benefit for Everton, them going, oh, well, let's just attack, attack, attack. While Brighton on the other hand, I suppose your game plan goes out the window pretty quickly, but they're not a team that's averse to scoring a lot of goals and conceding some. So... I guess for me that was the biggest surprise that they completely fell apart in the way they did. Those three points though for Everton pulled them out of the relegation zone for the time being with 35 games having played and on 32 points, which um absolutely tremendous for them. Uh, which And that along with the fixture we're about to discuss, the Nottingham Forest Southampton fixture, saw Leicester and Leeds both drop into the relegation zone. And speaking of Forest v Southampton, well, it's one as I said in last week's episode. Nottingham Forest don't know how to defend. The biggest shock for me was that fa- was the fact that Southampton knew how to score. Um, it was a game of entertainment. It was end to end. It was a game of neither team knowing how to retain the ball. For any long period of time. It was sloppy, it was messy, people losing the ball in the middle of the park, People, players losing the ball in dangerous positions and just a pure absence of defending and I suppose that is all you can say when a result has seven goals. It starts off with Abouni with two goals in 21 minutes, um, some, some really good finishes from him there. The second one in particular, the volley, the way it comes across his body, swings the leg at it and spot on goal. Then Alcaraz, which has been probably, along with the Arsenal game, um, where he scored there, probably one of the brighter sparks for Southampton in this squad at the moment. Alcaraz, I do think that he'll be a good championship player for them if he doesn't get picked up elsewhere. Then, unfortunately, a fairly sloppy penalty was given away by Southampton. Gibbs-White converted with ease, making it 3-1 going into the break. And then the substitute defender, Lionco, comes on. Unbelievably good header, but you the way he rose, and you got to look at he was completely unchallenged. And Kaelor Navas, you were bought in to make better performances than that. You've got to be really thinking, if you're Dean Henderson watching that, you've got to go, well, next season, surely I'm challenging for that number one spot if that's all he can muster up. And then, as you thought, the Southampton were within a, well, had a slight chance in the game at 3 2. A fantastic team move from Danilo. The way Brendan Johnson brings it from the right and then plays it across the middle of the box. Morgan Gibbs-White, a lovely flick-on for Danilo to convert. In the 73rd minute, 4-2. Surely the game's done and dusted. Surely Southampton are out of steam. Surely they're done. But no, of course, another twist. More poor defending from Forrest. Saw them concede a penalty. And then in the 96th minute, that man, James Ward-Prowse, who does nothing but score this season. A lot of set-piece goals, a lot of free kicks, but also his penalty conversions have been pretty tight as well, making it 4-3. And those three points did bring... Nottingham Forest out the relegation zone, also on 30, well on 33 points, a much worse goal difference than Everton um, by 10 goals. Wow, that goes to show how poor they've been all season. But they are three points clear of the drop zone with some horrible fixtures still to play. Um, speaking of those fixtures, we might as well look at the fixtures that the teams down there have coming up. So, I suppose the team that is bottom and most likely to go, we're looking at Southampton. Are they going to pick up any more points? They have fixtures against Fulham at St Mary's. Then they have Brighton away at the Amex and then Liverpool at home. Um, They're on 24 points. It's borderline... Well, they would need to win all their games now, pretty much, and pick up all nine points to have a chance, really, and rely on a lot of fixtures going their way. Um, They... They've just not been at the races. There's a good result against Arsenal getting that point. But other than that, have they delivered recently? No. Has has anything changed from Hassan Hootel to Jones to Selle?s Not really. Um, well, I think a relegation probably could do them some good to kind of have a bit of a refresh, look at their approach and maybe go back to what they were good at, which was bringing through young talent in their squad, developing it and then building a team around them. And then... Um, currently 19th is Leeds the addition of Sam Allardyce was not enough to overcome Man City at the Etihad but let's be honest is who could at this point um, I think he has a much improved performance from Leeds, he seems to have uh, got the team a bit happier the squad a bit more involved and engaged with things, um, particularly after the way the players dealt with that fan the other week by not talking to them I think the players had to have a long hard look at themselves and maybe a bit of reflection and Big Sam is the man for that Heavy um, Gracia wouldn't have got a win at the Etihad, Sam Allardyce didn't, 2-1, which to be honest isn't a bad result for them, um, just more than anything to protect the goal difference, they've got a reasonably sh- decent goal difference, um, much better than F- Nottingham Forest, um, not too far off of Everton's, so it was a case of I would imagine damage limitation. The challenge for Leeds though is their remaining three fixtures, Newcastle, at home, then away at the London Stadium, and then at home to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, if they could pick up a cheeky one, a point against Newcastle, that'd be phenomenal for them. And then, to be honest, West Ham might be have their eyes set on bigger prizes at the moment. So that could be a possible three points like they did last season at the London Stadium. And then Tottenham Hotspur, it really depends what Tottenham turn, what Tottenham team turns up. If anyone can grind out three results, I think there's a good chance of Big Sam, but it is looking tough for them. And then probably the most dejected looking team of the Premier League at the moment is Leicester. So they're sitting in eighteenth, thirty points. Um their remaining games are home to Liverpool, away at Newcastle at home to West at home to West Ham on the final game. Once again, Liverpool, Liverpool have been on a hot streak at the moment, unlikely to get something there. Newcastle, they're in that Champions League chase down. I think they've probably got the position sorted, you never know, but Leicester going to St James's Park, they're probably not going to be able to pull anything together. And then West Ham at home, you never know, they might be able to get three points there if West Ham and David Moyes have priorities elsewhere. And then the teams that do have, well, Everton do have a little bit of better fixtures. Other than home to Man City, away at Wolves, which Wolves isn't an easy place to go. They're doing really well at home at the moment, particularly with that win at Villa, which we'll get onto in a second. And then Bournemouth at home. Um, You could see them getting another three points, and I think three points would probably make them safe. And then Nottingham Forest, so currently sitting in 16th. They have probably the worst the worst fixtures remaining out of teams, along with um, along with Leeds. Away at Stamford Bridge, home to Arsenal, and then away at Palace. Probably Arsenal will still be in the title hunt at that point. Chelsea, who knows? Um, it's at Stamford Bridge, so it's quite difficult. Though teams of recent, like Brentford, have picked up points at Chelsea. It just depends what Chelsea team does turn up, I guess. And then Palace is an awful place to go with the way they're playing at the moment. Um, there'd be goals in that game, for sure. Palace v um, Palace v Forest. It would be a bit of a slugfest. Let's see how that goes. But, to be honest, looking at the fixtures, where they could end up... I still have a little faith in Leeds, maybe, because they're hard fixtures, but no-one's expecting anything from them. And I suppose looking at those teams... Two teams there, Leicester and Leeds, still have to play West Ham. Their priorities could be elsewhere. They genuinely could. With European football, there's a chance that they could pick something up there. The teams that still have to play face Man City and Arsenal and Newcastle, um, I don't see them getting points. And then the rest is a bit of a hodgepodge. I haven't put a list down of how many points I think each team will get. Um, at the moment, I think there's something Tom and I will discuss after this game week, looking at the final two game weeks on who will do what and who will deliver. And well, it wasn't all about the Monday fixtures that made that Premier League weekend great. Um, I think looking at shocks across the table, Wolves at home to Aston Villa. Wolves have been good at home recent on a little unbeaten run at home with good results against the likes of Palace, Brentford. And Chelsea. Um, So them beating Villa. Probably not a shock for Wolves. More a shock from the fact that the way that Villa played. They got a little unlucky I guess. But still a 1-0 win for Wolves. Did them the world of good. That's that's them on the 40 points. I know they've been safe for a while since Lopetegui's come in. But I suppose for me it was interesting seeing that battle out between Lopetegui and Emery. um, Both being... Uh, both being brought into their teams at a similar time, have had similarly interesting careers, predominantly in Spain, um, but I think some uh, a really good result there for Wolves, and um, it's hard for me to say, but Craig Dawson, what a player, and what a game he has. Uh, Wolves fans have been singing nothing but praises for that man, and um, after he left West Ham, they were West Ham fans were obviously positive about him as well, so well done, Craig Dawson. Um, other other shocks I suppose the shock for me uh, The biggest shock for me is probably um, Chelsea Going going to Bournemouth and scoring Three goals at Bournemouth you've, you've really let the side down Most teams in the other 14 Have been picking points up against Chelsea For a good little string now So Brentford obviously beating them the other week Also Brighton beating them The other week, Wolves beat it Wow, um, their run is awful Villa getting the win Everton getting a draw, um, yeah. the The last the the last other fourteen side to lose to Chelsea was on the eleventh of March. So, oh, it's it's not good. Three goals as well. Chelsea don't score goals, and then Bournemouth go and concede three. God. So, I suppose the good thing is Bournemouth did get a goal. Bournemouth are safe as well. They're on thirty nine points. They're going absolutely nowhere. So, I suppose um, they don't really have to worry anything. Uh, well. They don't have to worry about anything for the rest of the season. And then I guess what we would call, well, what we always celebrate is the um, when one of the other 14 takes the scalp of a big six side. And that was um, West Ham's 1-0 win at home to Manchester United, putting a little dent in Manchester United's uh, Champions League, um, well, Champions League hunt down really, so they're The fourth spot becomes a little bit tighter between them and other teams at the top. But West Ham, uh, probably a win that, particularly after those, if West Ham hadn't won, and then there was obviously a couple of wins beneath them, it would have made things a little more interesting, I guess, to them. But this win, almost... Considering they've got to play two of the teams in the relegation zone, I think the 37 points will now be pretty safe for them and they can focus on European football. Speaking of which, that is as we record tonight. So West Ham at home to AZ Alkmaar in the Europa Conference League semi-final. Um, first First leg at home at the London Stadium. Let's see what West Ham can do and really carry that other 14 banner further into a European competition. They've got a reasonable chance of uh, winning it, you would imagine, but let's see what uh, AZ Alkmaar are like. We don't want to be overconfident here. We've already had some uh, semi-finals and finals from the other 14 in the Domestic Cups this season and we don't want to get too confident. But I think a lot of uh, West Ham fans would be thinking that is a very winnable game for them. We don't want to just focus on the teams getting relegated this season, um, although there'll be some new uh, new members of the Championship. Well, we're going to have some new teams come up from the Championship to the Premier League. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, Burnley confirmed champions, absolutely cruised, run away with it, and that is now finished. So that is them on 101 points, top of the tree. Well done, Vincent Company and his men. And then second place was eventually sealed by Sheffield United. So not been long... Not been down in the championship for long. Um a really strong bounce back from them, 91 points, which if if it wasn't for the fact that Burnley had 101, 91 would be a very strong looking total. The bit now that we do want to focus on in the championship is those fantastically entertaining playoffs. So the playoff draw, um well the playoffs are as follows. Sunderland host loosening the first leg and Coventry, Middlesbrough in the first leg there to be played over the coming weekend. Um, with then the second legs uh, the week later, well during the following week, and then we have um, the playoff final on the twenty seventh of May. I think what was really interesting when looking at these playoff results and the teams that made it into the playoffs is that none of those teams have had well, those parachute payments recently. Um, Luton, obviously, and Coventry not been near the Premier League in blooming ages. Sunderland have had dips down into League One since their last spell in the Premier League. And Middlesbrough, it's been quite a period of time since they were last in the Premier League, but now they're led by Michael Carrick going into the playoffs. Um, I suppose the the really positive thing from my personal point of view is uh, Millwall. Absolutely choking it away on the final day of the season. They were 3-0 up against Blackburn. Would have been guaranteeing them enough points to get promoted, well, to enter the playoffs. Blackburn pulled them back and ended up finishing on the edge of the playoffs on goal difference themselves. But with those lined up, it'll be really interesting to see which teams do come up from the championship. We'll be keeping a close eye on the playoffs and we'll be reporting back on what we think after those playoff games do take place. And obviously, the big build up to the playoff final, which is quoted as being the richest game in football, purely on the back grounds that you get the TV rights. Um, I suppose the biggest shock for me is looking at the teams that haven't made the playoffs and haven't had great seasons in the Championship. You look at teams that have been fairly recently in the Premier League. Obviously, Sheffield United and Burnley, very quick to respond to get back out there. But looking at teams that have been relegated recently, West Brom, Watford, Norwich distinctly mid-table really the lot of them um, considering they get parachute payments the fact that they have uh, have had probably pretty poor seasons um, which I think they'll all be upset and it'll be the chance to look at themselves and see how they can build on I don't think any of them will want to be stuck in the championship for too long I say stuck, they're pretty much all yo-yo teams so they'll be coming and going from the Premier League I'm sure and no doubt it wouldn't surprise me if West Brom, Watford or Norwich made an appearance in the playoffs or got promoted next season. With 21 goals on Monday and a weekend full of absolute quality, it's now time for Goal of the Week. Goal Goal of of the week. Week After last week and being called out for not providing me with his Goal of the Week decisions, Tom has provided me who are his nominees for Goal of the Week. So, the first one he's got is Vigne's goal against Chelsea for Bournemouth. Um, A great curling effort from the edge of the box into the top bins. Unfortunately, as per his own rules, it cannot win because Bournemouth did lose that game. And then, the goal against Villa for Wolves. Totti with with a fantastic header from a set-piece. Almost a very un-Wolves goal, a header from a set-piece. They do have the men now equipped in that back line, as I mentioned earlier about Craig Dawson being a phenomenal defender. Um, a great header though, Could, like the way he towered and just an absolute bullet header, fantastic. And then, there were so many goals from Monday that the list is quite extensive, so we'll right, race through them. Willian, he's his goal from the free kick, out from the left-hand side, just one of those that no one got on and it just made its way through, fantastic goal. Kearney is also v. Leicester, Um the the way that the team just passed it around the box, and then uh, Kenny just absolutely selling his man, and then putting it in the far side, absolutely phenomenal. Willian again against Leicester, his curler from the outside of the box, uh, really compounding Leicester's mis- misery there after missing that penalty, and then in the then in the Brighton Everton game, um, Decore, um, really really well worked goal, uh, his first one. Um, Dominic Calvert-Loon looking like he's coming into a bit of form, really being that target man. The way he managed to spin, play the ball, and then de Kure, lovely, lovely finish. And obviously, very early on in the game, setting the standard for the rest of the game. And then, obviously, sending the Everton fans into absolute raptures. And then, secondly, backed up very quickly, de Kure second. second. Um, just a really sweet finish on the volley there from the lad. Um, what a connection from a, from a player that doesn't score much. I think he's doubled his tally for the season. So that is now four goals for him two just in that game. But he set the foundation for the game. Phenomenal, phenomenal performance and maybe something that we haven't seen from him enough this season. Um, and then, uh, and then Dwight McNeil's first. Um, a very a very good goal against Brighton there where he's running down the left-hand side. He gets it in the channel and then rifles it into the roof of the net. Near post, past the keeper, Steele, who could do nothing. A very miserable game for Steele, of course, having also conceded an own goal. And there were goals, goals, goals in Southampton versus Forest. And the big one being, as I mentioned earlier, the Danilo goal. Just so beautifully. Uh, Johnson to play across through the box. Um, and then for Morgan Gibbs-White to just flick it round, nudge it on, and then Danilo to rocket it past the keeper. Um, Fantastic goals all round, to be honest. Um, I can't really add many more, other than I would say maybe uh, Ben Rama's strike, very assisted by David Tejia in that game. It's quite a comical goal, very entertaining. And so Tom has given me his winner for goal of the week, and he has given it to... William for his second goal against Leicester. Um, it was a fantastic finish um, against a dejected-looking Leicester side. They they didn't know what to do. They had pretty poor performance all round for them. And I suppose as much as we the other week were talking about um, teams being on the beach, yeah, I suppose being on the beach gives you an element of freedom to just kind of do what you want. And uh, Fulham seemed more than happy to do that and Leicester let them get away with it. And then finally, moving on to our Fab Four prediction game. To be honest, last week wasn't mine or Tom's. Probably not our finest hour, but I'm going to put that down to the fact that the games were so, well, were particularly crazy. So we had in v Villa, I thought it could be a tight draw. Tom went for the Villa win, which was a fairly sensible pick based on their form, but the game was ultimately won by Wolves. That 1-0, both of us got that wrong. Fulham v Leicester. I, as I said in my the last episode, I was, my prediction for Leicester to win was more out of hope for them to pick up three points. I put 2-1. Tom thought it would be a a great 2-all. Well, both teams did score two, but then there were more. Um, Fulham, 5-3. Who would have seen that coming? Okay. Then, we both went with a sensible option here for Brighton v Everton. Tom went for 2-1, I went for 3-1, both for Brighton, but obviously Brighton um, just failed to perform on quite a catastrophic level, and Everton um, really did make the most of it, and one five one, which, well, another zero across the board for us. But both of us didn't strike out this game, like Forest v Southampton. Southampton are pretty much gone. We know we're not expecting much from them. So, um, Forest 4-3. Obviously, neither of us predicted that. I went for a 2-1, Tom went for a 1-0, and well, one point each for this game week for us. So, that moves Tom onto his half-century, and me onto 57 points, with only three game weeks remaining. But before we go on to predict next week's Fab Four games, I'll tell you what games you have to look forward to in the upcoming game week. With the first fixture of the weekend being that 1230 kickoff on Saturday, with Big Sam welcoming his former employers and Champions League chasing Newcastle to Elland Road. So Southampton at home, pretty much gone, I think we can say at this point. Three o'clock kickoff home game against Fulham. Forrest make the journey to West London as they face Chelsea, which is possibly a must-win for the Forest as well. Also on the three o'clock, Villa Park, we have Tottenham visiting Aston Villa there. Can Unai Emery keep up? Well, can Unai Emery's team bounce back against Tottenham after their disappointing fixture against Wolves? Speaking of Wolves, the three o'clock also for them as they make their way to Old Trafford to face an inconsistent Manchester United who are currently on the back of two losses against the other 14. So can Wolves make it three? Crystal Palace are at home against Bournemouth. Two teams that are safe. It could just be exhibition football. Everton, big task for Sean Dyche's men on the first of the Sunday kickoffs, Two o'clock, Everton at home to Man City. Well, um, it's a lot to ask for Everton to keep Man City out. Is it a case of damage limitation or do they try and cause an upset at the top of the table and go for all three points, if that's even possible? And then Brentford Community Stadium, also a 2-clock kickoff on the Sunday at home to David Moyes' men. Eyes possibly elsewhere and distracted for West Ham. They might be looking at other fixtures and Brentford could have a tap-in. Then Brighton are making their way a little bit north to North London as they go to the Emirates as the 4.30 kickoff. off um, Once again, Brighton chasing European places and Arsenal in the hunt for that league title. Can Brighton be another bump in the road for Arsenal, like Southampton and West Ham have been for Arsenal in recent weeks? And then the Monday night fixture. Almost a must-win for Leicester at this point, sitting in the relegation zone on 30 points at home to Liverpool. A really nasty fixture, but if I remember correctly, Liverpool don't have a great record on Monday nights. Um, So it could be a prime opportunity for the likes of Jamie Vardy, Harvey Barnes and... James Madison to make an impact but first of all they're going to have to learn how to defend and then also next week Brighton have a catch-up fixture one of their many games in hand against Newcastle at St James's Park um that'll just be a good game all round, I think two teams that are climbing up the table having a bit of a tussle with the big boys so it'll be a really good fixture to see and then on to the fab four predictions for the following game week so um For game week 36, we have Leeds v Newcastle in, well, the Big Sam, the James Milner and I'm sure many other players' derby, Um, Crystal Palace v Bournemouth, Southampton v Fulham and Brentford v West Ham. So, Tom has given me his predictions ahead of time, so we can't accuse him of any dodgy wrongdoings. Um... Tom's quite optimistic about Leeds' chances. He thinks there'll be a big Sam special where uh, they'll snatch a point from this game. He's gone for one all. I can't help but disagree with this. Um, obviously, a very disappointing result for Newcastle at the weekend, losing 2-0 to Arsenal. But Newcastle are just... Oh, they're a machine. They just attack so well. They attack so brilliantly. Even losing to Arsenal, they made losing to Arsenal look good. I think... Leeds all, I think Leeds will really struggle to keep them out. I could see it being a 3-0 Newcastle win because Leeds will need to push on at some point as this is probably one of their friendlier of their final three fixtures apart from that game against West Ham, I guess. And then Palace v Bournemouth um, is going to be exhibition football. Two teams with nothing really to play for, just having a laugh and a kick around in the sun. Let's hope the weather holds up for that. At Selhurst Park. So, Palace, Bournemouth. I'm going to say it's going to be a 3-2 goal extravaganza. Tom there has gone for 2-1. And Tom's notes say, word for word, beach clash with Cherries back to winning ways after a shock defeat to Chelsea. Um, I don't know. I just think Palace, uh, as seen by their, uh, their result at home to West Ham the other week. They just know how to score goals and they're pretty good at it at the moment. And Bournemouth do also like conceding them this season. Then Southampton v Fulham. Um, Southampton are gone, are they? Aren't they? They don't. If Fulham get one early on, Southampton they've just got nothing to play for. The lads, it's going to be a really hard fixture for them to get up for. For them to be positive about. I'm just going to say it's going to be a Fulham two 0 win. Uh, Southampton don't have much of a chance there. Tom has gone for a three one to Fulham, describing it as the last net, describing it as the last nail in the coffin for the Saints. It's hard to disagree with him there. And then Brentford v West Ham. Brentford on the beach. West Ham pretty much safe with European glory potentially in their near future. So, um, Tom has gone for a 2-0 Brentford win. West Ham safe but tired after European exploits midweek. You know, I think Tom's probably not too wrong to avoid being boring and going for the... The easy Brentford win. I am going to say that it's going to be a one-one result there. Um, I think he's right. West Ham could be a bit leggy and a bit tired, depending on how tonight's game goes. But to be honest, I think there's, they've got a big enough squad, a tad bit of rotation between them. Um, I think uh, they, I think they could be. West Ham could be good for a point at least in that game, um, which would almost certainly see them extremely safe because uh, I don't think anyone else much has a chance of picking. Closing that gap on them. And we'll see how we get on in those predictions in next week's episode, where Tom, I have an assurance, will be returning to the podcast. And with that done and dusted, we are at the end of this week's episode of the Other 14 podcast. Thank you for joining me again and listening to my nasally voice. Hopefully, it should all clear up by next week and I'll be pitch perfect, and Tom will also be making a return thank you to everyone for downloading and listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe to the pod and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. And do recommend us to your friends, family and other 14 fans. So it is goodbye from me and only me and we'll see you next week on The Other 14 Podcast.